Welcome back to the post-match podcast. I'm joined again today by football journalist uh, Josh Bunting. You can follow us now on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. We are recording on Tuesday afternoon. We'll be unfolding yesterday's drama in the championships. I'll start off by just telling how I watched that unfold on Sky Sports Gillette's um, Gillette uh, Monday special, um, Bank Holiday special. So the state of play, um, Blackburn Rovers were playing Millwall. Blackburn Rovers needed to win and results go their way elsewhere. Uh, Millwall, a, a win was all they needed. Josh, we'll speak to you in a minute. Josh was over in Preston at, at the Preston-Sunderland game. Sunderland needed a win no matter what. So what happened there was Sunderland took the lead in and around that uh, time. Um, at half time, Millwall were beating Blackburn 3-1. So at that stage, Merce actually came out and said, Paul Merce actually came out and said, uh, that's it. That's it, guys. Millwall have made the playoffs. So the football gods decided, look, we've got something to say about that. So in and around the 60th minute, Blackburn scored, scored again to take it three each. And in and around that time, Sunderland has scored a second and then a third. Uh, West Brom were also uh, in with a slight chance. They, they took the lead early on, um, went 2-1 up, end up losing 3-2 to Swansea and Blackburn. Uh, they were pushing for the winner, which was a good thing for Sunderland. But yeah, Blackburn um, lost out on goal difference. So we'll, we'll go over it and find out what it was like in the stadium. So Josh, just tell us how that all unfolded for you yesterday at Deep Deal. Yeah, you know, it's um, today is sort of still really can't believe it. You know, like you said, we're recording Tuesday afternoon. Um, I, I really can't believe that Sunderland are in the playoffs, especially... <laughs> As like you've just you just described there, you know Millwall three one up. Obviously, people in at Deep Deal yesterday had their phones on, um, mm-hmm. on them and just constantly checking scores. And to be honest with you, um, Gareth, if there was a team, I'll, like I'll be honest, if there was a team that um I thought was going to, if if there was going to be a fever done yesterday, I, I always thought it was going to be Middlesbrough. I thought Middlesbrough at home with Coventry. If if, if Sunderland had a beaten Preston, and Coventry had a lost, and also and a Millwall had a won, then it would have been Coventry who would have been the team slipping out of the playoffs. Um. So yeah, to, to hear you know Millwall three one up, still it's still nil nil at Deepdale, and you're thinking, mm. Preston I thought played okay first half yesterday. I think I think Sunderland should have had a penalty in the first half. To be honest. And I thought Gellhart had a, a massive chance. He got one-on-one with Freddie Woodman and he hit it straight at him. But I thought Preston looked really aggressive to start with yesterday. And in those opening 10 minutes, maybe even 15 minutes, Sunderland couldn't get out. They were, mm-hmm. It was like we were getting boxed in. Preston, Preston's physicality really worked well yesterday in, in those opening 15 minutes or so. And then Sunderland sort of, you know, they calmed down. There was nerve from Sunderland yesterday. Mm-hmm. We, we, we expected fifteen minutes, um, because the passing wasn't. It was it was poor. Um, the passing was poor and it kept going back to pressing. And you know it just opens up attack after attack. But then we settled ourselves down and nil nil half time. You've got Middles Middlesbrough just scored actually before half time against Coventry. It was one one half time. Cameron Archer scored. Um, so yeah. You know, I always thought Middlesbrough were going to do us a favour um, if it was going to be anybody. And then, you know, obviously those events happen. Southern 3-0 up and you're hearing 3-3 at Millwall and you're thinking, what is going on? There is there a chance here? But 
would it be a, a typical, the most tip, wouldn't it be the most typical thing that happening and then in the 90th minute, Millwall go and score a winner and, you know, <laughs> knock us out of the playoffs? Well, like, just like you said there, Josh, and like I said, I watched it all unfold on um, Soccer Special on, on Sky Sports. You know, like I said, Merson was always seems to get the best games in, the, in these uh, situations. He, he, he was commentary with the Aguero moment um, against QPR. But yeah. like you said, Mill, Millwall were actually pushing for a winner. Now they were very, they were going for it. Obviously going for it that last, you know, last moments of the season for them. It, then Blackburn broke away at, at free free at the end. And Brayton Diaz, uh, who, who actually hasn't been in the, the same form as last season, he he got the winner, the four free winner, just at the very end. Which, which so tell us tell us about that part. Of the, so you're free up at this stage. You know you've done everything yeah. you need to do. Are are you all? Are people on radios? Or are you all on your mobile phones? Or uh, tell us what it was like at League Deal. Yeah. So you know, people obviously were all on their phones, were all checking up scores, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then. The, the internet actually cut out for a bit. So, like, nobody could yeah. actually, nobody, because it was so obviously the data and, like, there's, there's, there's the signals and stuff. Like, so many people were on their phones and nobody could connect in the end. And then when Blackburn when Blackburn scored, it just went crazy. So someone obviously got it through. Yeah. And it just, the whole away end just went absolutely nuts. But, you know. And the, the, the beauty of the championship as well, there's no VAR checks. You know, the, the, once that shows up, goal flash, that's it. <laughs> it's not waiting five minutes for. No, absolutely. But uh, what worried me yesterday was people sort of spreading false news as well. Like, yes. Has there been a goal? Like somebody saying, I remember, oh, Middlesbrough scored there 2 1 up, and it won, yeah. and, and, and they weren't. It was obviously still 1 1. So you're like, I was sort of panicking and saying, have they actually mm. scored or, or what has happened? Yeah. And then I actually, the guy in front of me, he got the connection. And it, it just as he went on to his flash scores or whatever, it did. It, 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 you just seen that the 4 3 for Blackburn. So, yeah, look, it was a, amazing just, thing. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It was very incredible. Yeah. And when, it was, when I went on 4 3, like, I, I knew it's that, yeah, we, we have got the playoffs now with the time that that was left. And it's like, it's just been an incredible season for Sunderland. Like, nobody ever expected us. In the first season back in the championship to, to get playoffs, so an amazing yeah, it's, it's been a long it's been a long time since that's happened. You know, someone someone coming up from from League One and, and making the playoffs. Um, we spoke last week as well about you know the the young guns, the the unknown players, the Allo. But you know, when I saw those three goals yesterday, all three were absolute smashing goals. Um, by Sunderland yesterday, three of the young guns as well. Yeah, well, I thought well, what one two young guns and what. And, and one not so young guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. He's been around that long, uh, Pritchard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be fair, he made the difference. Alex Pritchard when he came on. Sturgeon comes off half time with an injury, um, and, and Pritchard came on and, and just completely changed the momentum of the game. He just like he, he was getting the space. He was controlling the rhythm of the play. His passing was exceptional, and we, we Sunderland we we looked so much more dangerous with Alex Pritchard. There, I think in the first half, Troy Parrott was w- was fine, but then when he played, when Pritchard came on, he knew he had to track Pritchard. You know, he had to track his runs, and he just wasn't doing that. He just because like, he's just so attack minded, he doesn't want to pull back and, and defend. And I think that really worked well to someone's advantage yesterday because he he actually he got hooked a short time. I think he got hooked 
hooked off two minutes after Sunderland went one 0 ahead mm-hmm. because he wasn't he wasn't tracking Pritchard. But then even even still, when Park came off, I, I, like the pressing players, I, I think it was Cannon as well who was meant to be picking him up once Park came off. Well, he didn't track him either because again an attack minded player. So it's disappointing to lose Dennis Sturkin. He's injured. Tony Mowbray confirmed that after the game. Um, I don't know if he'll be ready for the first leg against Luton this coming Saturday. But, you know, I thought Sergeant uh, coming off, that's a player that he has been in great form and, and we didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously he's off. But yeah, Pritchard came on, coming on just completely changed the game and the, the, the dynamic of it. It's just, it's just the confidence that Tony Mowbray seems to instill in the players. Just the, all three of the goals, the, the confidence to ship from where they did. Um, just backing themselves to score. You know, you're getting goals from all over the team. It's not just one player, but multiple players um, get, getting the goals for Sunderland this year. Yeah, I mean, I, everybody sort of knows my opinion on Tony Mowbray. I absolutely love the man, the bits. Um, I think he's done an absolutely sensational job. And, you know, for him to get Sunderland in the playoffs generally might be the best thing that he's done in management. And I, it, everybody will have their... One opinion on that, and as a Sunderland fan, I I certainly have my opinion on that. But I just think you know, obviously he, he had a, he done well with Blackburn, he had a good spell at Middlesbrough before. Um, but I just think obviously he got Blackburn promoted promoted from League One to the Championship again. But I just think you know, getting that young Sunderland team to that playoff is just a sensational achievement for everybody. Um, and like you said there, I'm sorry, um, just just to right. go back. Go back to the, the part of the season, season when Alex Neil left. He, he he made some quotes there as well about backing and probably feeling they had taken Sunderland so far. But look what Tony Mowbray's come in and done. You know, he, like like you said, no one expected Sunderland to, to make the playoffs. And he has done that without really, you know, having the opportunity to spend any money. Whereas Alex Neil has left the job and, you know, no better off, really. Well, absolutely. You could say that. You'd say that. Well, it's not even a dig, but you could say that Alex Neal is very much worse off um, mm-hmm. with the way that Stoke City season panned out. Um, mm-hmm. On a bigger but, budget. Know, absolutely, on a bigger budget. And also, like, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I think we all know why Alex Neal left Sunderland. Um, a bigger wage at Stoke City as well. Um, I think Sunderland have managed the finances absolutely fantastic this, this season as well. Um, I know obviously got a, we've got a few loan players in there um, Ahmad Diallo being that key loan player um, who's, he's just had an absolute sensational season his goal against Preston another fine example of just how good he's been I mean for a young like you said earlier um, about Tony Mowbray instilling the confidence in that team the fact that Ahmad Diallo's even had the you know, the nerve if you like to, to shoot from that range in a game of that importance well I think that says everything about just how confident we are at the moment. Um, Jack Clark, another one who's ended the season extremely well. Mm-hmm. His, fin- his finish was just, it was gorgeous, to be honest. He just curls it around Freddie Woodman and into the bottom corner. But you have a Sunderland team now who's just playing with no fear, playing mm-hmm. with confidence. And, and let's not forget, like this is a Sunderland team right now playing without a recognised number nine and, and two centre-backs as well. So, look, it's just been an absolutely sensational season. And, you know, if we if we don't get promoted, if the playoffs don't work out, well, 
ha- I'm just going to enjoy it. I want to enjoy these two these two legs against Luton, whatever happens, because I'm extremely proud of them. I'm extremely proud of the young players. They've just been an absolute joy. I mean, we had a bit of a rocky patch in March, got beat by Rotherham. Um, and you thought, well, okay, we'll finish 12th, 13th now. And, mm-hmm. you know, to even to turn that around and, you know, the momentum has just hit at, at such a, at, at the right time. And yeah, it's, it's been, it's been sensational. I, I keep saying that word sensational, but, you know, I'm absolutely blown away by just how the season has turned out. Absolutely, Josh. Uh, I mean, summed up here, um, the Opta Analyst page on Twitter has just, um, gave us this information. So Sunderland were in the top six for 18 days. Okay. Uh, someone else I'm going to speak about in a moment, Coventry City spent 17 days in the playoff positions. Now they got off to a rocky start as well, which I'll cover. Blackburn Rovers, unfortunate for them, they hit the their rocky patch at the wrong time. They were in the playoffs for 211 days. Watford and Norwich, two teams that were relegated uh, with big budgets, you know, parachute payments. They had 137, 136 days respectively. Millwall, who lost out on the final day, spent 126 days. QPR, who, you know, a few manager changes, they started off well in the season. They had 72 days in the playoffs. And Reading spent 58 days in the playoffs and ended up being relegated. So it, it really just does show you what a job Tony, Tony Murphy's done. You know, the, the complete euphoria and fandom that, that you had yesterday. Um, and you, you probably really, you're, you're still not um, sunk in that you're in the playoffs. But I'm going to go on now and just uh, have a conversation about Coventry City. Now, this is a club that I've always been fond of. Uh, growing up in the 90s, watching the Premier League, always, always really punched the ball their way. Always um, a bit like Wimbledon, fought off relegation battles every year. But sadly, they built a Premier League style stadium and ne- they've never actually, um, and the stadium will come up in conversation here, they've never actually came back to the Premier League and uh, within that stadium but Coventry City got taken over um, by Doug King local businessman um, around January time there now they have their problems as well um, with Mike Ashley's uh, Fraser's group who uh, actually served Coventry in eviction notice so at the start of the season Coventry had four, four home games postponed and they failed to win any of their first seven matches they were sitting bottom of the championship on the 8th of October now a bit like Newcastle last year Mike Ashley again. As soon as that takeover happened, it gives the whole community, it gives the whole city a lift and everyone starts pulling in the same direction. Now, that's exactly what happened Coventry City. So, Doug King um, is actually um, done a really good job and, like I said, getting getting the support, everyone pulling in, in, in the same direct, uh, direction. King has attended the supporters' forums. He's given honest answers. He's spoken about investment in the playing staff, but also sustainability and securing the long-term future of the club. He's no, he's no billionaire owner like Todd Bowley, uh, and he's not the head of, um, head of a state. Um, he also um, he wants a line of communication between, between the owner and the supporters. I think what happened recently, they decided to put the ticket prices up for um, juniors, and uh, the fans come back and says, look, cost of living crisis, we don't agree with that. And he listened to the fans and says, no, uh, that's fine, I understand, and reduced them. Now, not just off the field, things have improved for Coventry. So they managed to sort out a lease with um, Mike Ashley until the end of the season. In the last, in the last sort of number of years, I've actually played uh, games at Northampton Town's Sixfield Stadium, 
Birmingham, Birmingham City, St Andrews, and they actually played a few games at Burton at Al- Albion's Pirelli Stadium. So they've had all their troubles, but one constant in the last five or six years has been uh, that their manager, Mark Robbins. So Mark Robbins joined in March 2017. That, that same season, they won the EFL Trophy. And 2017-18 season, they won the League Two playoffs. Now, there was a stat where Coventry hadn't even finished in the, in the top half of any, t- any league they were in in, in a number of decades. So, uh, and that was actually their first promotion in half a century. Uh, 2019-20 season, they got promoted to League uh, League One as champions. And after two respectable mid-table finishes, they have made the playoffs again. So they do have their own success story there as well. But we spoke again about uh, good owners and bad owners last week. But I do think uh, a little bit of credit goes to Doug King there, local, local businessman who is just united as City again. And uh, in my opinion, I would love to see Coventry back in the Premier League. But obviously... Um, they can meet Coventry, can meet Sunderland in the playoff finals. So, Josh, I'd like to just hear what you what your thoughts are on the other two teams that have made the playoffs. We spoke about Sunderland, we spoke about Coventry. So, just tell us what sort of job Michael Carrick has done uh, at Middlesbrough and also Luton Town. So, let, they're someone that's never been in the Premier League. Middlesbrough have had, had their successes in the Premier League, but can Luton make it for the first time? I think Luton can, absolutely. Um... Sunderland have played Luton twice this season, um, and and already, obviously, <laughs> and and drew both games one one. Luton are just you know, people want to say it, but they're like they're they're sort of an old fashioned football team in terms of four four two their style. But hey, look, they they play some great stuff, some really really good stuff. Um, one player that to watch in the playoffs if you're not familiar with the championship is. Elijah Adebayo, he he used to play for Walsall, um, and obviously Luton brought him in. He's a big striker, so powerful. Um, and Tom Lockyer as well, you know, Welsh defender. He's had a, has had an absolutely outstanding season. He was named in the Championship Team of the Year. Um, so he he he's you know he's one of those players that you're just he's tough in the tackle. Um, you know he's so so strong. Um. So yeah, look, they're a good side, Luton. Um, and you know they they'll not they'll not play the most attractive football. I think that's fair to say, but they just know how to go and grind out a result. So they do it at the Stadium of Light. You know, in the the one one draw I went to, um, Ahmad Diallo scored a penalty. I thought, you know, they weren't like you know. I'm trying to be respectful about this. It, they weren't the most attractive football team. They weren't playing one touch, really nice football that you know Sunderland can play. Like like, but they will just cause problems. You know they're so strong. They'll go a little bit more direct, and that will be uh, that will be an issue I think for Sunderland over the two legs. As for Middlesbrough, Michael Carrick is it's a, he's he's done a fantastic job, and I'll be, I'll I'll be honest with you as well. I thought you know. Out of you look at their squad and you're thinking, how was that even in the the place that Chris Wilder had it in the first place? You know, it was it's such it's a really really good team. Um, in my opinion, obviously Michael Carrick brought in um Cameron Archer as well, young striker who obviously played on loan from Aston Villa, played in the Championship last season as well on loan to Preston North End. You know, he's just a top 
He's just such a cool, composed finisher. And then you had Chubakpon, who has obviously had an absolutely incredible season. Um, scored. I can't. He, he, he's he's scoring goal after goal after goal, and he's he's playing with so much confidence. So, yeah, that Middlesbrough team's a, a a good team. Um, they play good, fluid football as well. So, overall, the playoffs. I'm going to make a big statement here. I I, I make Middlesbrough Middlesbrough the favourites for me to to go up. I just think you know, with what they have and the quality that they have, especially going forward in attack. I just think they have a little bit more of an advantage over anybody else right now. Yes, indeed. Uh, great, great job Mike, Michael Carrick has done there. Like you said, Luton Lut- Town, you know, Kenilworth Road's a really hard place to go. Uh, they, they don't have the, 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 you know, they don't have the benefits of that if they, if they make the final at, at Wembley. Um, they'll, they'll maybe find it harder on, on the bigger pitch. Sunderland do have experience um, of Wembley. You know, you, you did it last year. So if you can get over that hurdle, you know, you can use all that experience as well from, from recent trips to Wembley. Um, Middlesbrough, you know, had their experience there as well. And like I said, Coventry have got up through the playoffs recently. So, um, so if they make the final, um, Luton could be um, underdogs there. I'm reading there as well about Luton. It, the Premier League promotion could actually cost them £10 million. I know you get a lot of money for making it up, but they, they, they would have to improve their ground. They, you know, a bit like Bournemouth's ground, I think it's around 10,000. Um, mm-hmm. So they're looking to get that extended to roughly a total of 17,500 seats. So nice problem to have if they do get promoted, but, you know, they reaching the Premier League for the first time would, would come at a cost. Um, but like I said, a nice problem they have there. Um, there's so many stories in the championship, you know, Middlesbrough versus Sunderland at Wembley. Um, I know I don't I want your opinion on this, but I know some some sort of Sunderland and Newcastle fans sort of mock the, the rival rivalry that Middlesbrough sort of ha- tries to have with them. But it, it, you know, they're in the northeast, it's not like they're they're Watford, you know, trying to have a rivalry with London clubs that they're out there, they're very much in the northeast, so um it, it would be quite a big big occasion. What's your thoughts on that as a as a derby uh, in the final, Josh? Some people would argue that Middlesbrough is in Yorkshire and, yeah. uh, and, and not in the North East. Um, yeah, Middlesbrough yeah, leads maybe a derby. I gotta be honest with you. Um, I just see Middlesbrough as the annoying little cousins, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I see. Uh, I see Newcastle as the Newcastle Sunderland is is the derby. It is the that is that is the derby. That's what Southern fans care about. That's what Newcastle fans care about. I'll be honest, we don't care about Middlesbrough. And I know we have a song, Tony Mowbray's Red and White Army, We Hate Burns, all that there, but yeah, like we really don't uh, to be honest, we, we don't really care about them. We we care about Newcastle, and that's being honest, but we don't really see it as this big derby. It's a rivalry, like yeah, of course. It's a rivalry, but I wouldn't call it a derby. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Well, certainly watching it all unfold uh, yesterday, as a Spurs fan, there's so many London London clubs. The last thing I really wanted was Millwall making it to the Premier League. I don't, I don't think many people would want it. I don't think it would, they would have been good for the Premier League. Um, that's just my opinion. But I, I, I definitely would like to see one of Middlesbrough or Sunderland get in, especially now with the, you know, the ambitions that Newcastle have. It would be nice to have someone else from up there just to give them a few few tough games as well do you think um, I was going to say do you think a, a Spurs supporter 
had a had a had a word with Millwall at half time and it was all a bit Spursy for them. Yeah, that's right. There's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Conte or Stellini's probably went in and told them, you know, sit back, sit back. The game's up. But uh, yeah, I think I think when, as soon as Paul Merson said that's it, Millwall's in the playoffs. That that, that was that was the end for them. You know, <laughs> he doesn't get much right, um, Merson. So that's the championship. We'll come back to that. We'll very much coming back to that next week. So Josh, I know you, I think you've been to about ten Sunderland games next week, which. That that that's that's incredible, you know, flying over from Belfast, you know, cost of living crisis. I know sometimes you're over working and WSL with Arsenal, but you know, Sunderland, Arsenal, they're not exactly close together for, for you to get to the stadium of lights. So you are um at your own cost there getting to the games. So had you plans made or do you think you'll be able to get to the playoff, any of the playoff games this weekend? This weekend, sadly not. Um I uh We'll, we'll talk about it obviously in next week po- next week podcast. But my friend and I had made plans to go to Glasgow this weekend. Um, there's a certain game on in Glasgow which I think you might know this weekend. So um, I, I, I'm going to go to the Glasgow Derby this weekend. When I'll be honest, I never expected Sunderland to make the playoffs. Um, I still thought you know yesterday. I, 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 to be honest, go on the press and I thought someone would, would win the game. I just didn't think that Millwall would would do that. And to be honest, I expected, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't think we'd make the playoffs. I, th- I thought Coventry could have got a point or whatever, but you know, now we're in the playoffs. It's a bit of a dilemma. But no, I'm going to Glasgow on Saturday. Um, and the the hopefully the playoff final. Hopefully I get to that. If not. Like you, like 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 you said, I've been to ten games a season, which is, yeah, ten Sunderland games a season, which is a great return. Like you said, I come from Belfast and I have to fund it all myself. So, yeah, it's 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 been a great season regardless, and I'm just, I feel privileged that I've actually been to so many Sunderland games a season. Um, I've actually only seen one defeat this season as well. Um, so that was good. Uh, that was against Burnley at the stadium. Like we were turning up. Burnley came back to win 4-2 but you know that's the best team in the league by a country mile so um, there was no shame in that so nine games without defeat I've, I've seen so and, and two of the best away performances of the season that I went to I went to obviously yesterday at Preston but also on Valentine's Day um, I went to QPR away so that was a that was a real love in the air, mate. The Valentine's Day um, at QPR, we won three 0 Um, so that was yeah, that was another brilliant night as well. So yeah, I've really really enjoyed it this season, and hopefully more to come next season. Anyway, if 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 I don't get to, if I don't if I don't get to any of the playoff games, but I hope obviously the final at Wembley is. A, I hope it, I hope that's the one I, I get to. Yeah, well, hopefully you, that's not the the end of both yours and Sunderland's journey this season and we, regardless of results we will pick up on that on next week's pod uh, what I'd like to discuss now so that was that was Monday's uh, games um, there wasn't as much to play for on Sunday in League One that was all sort of tied up but I would like to give credit to Plymouth um, they were unlucky a couple of years there but they did win League One with 101 points which is a great achievement really 
hard fought battle all season with Ipswich on 98 points uh, and Sheffield Wednesday on 96 points. Sheffield Wednesday sort of feed it towards the end. They will have to go through the playoffs and that is always very hard for the team coming third. Um, so in the playoffs there, we've got Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Bolton and Peterborough. That, that will all start this weekend. Derby, um, who were relegated last season, they missed out on one point on the final day. So uh, tough on Derby. Uh, but there was someone in England this year who did get over 100 points, and sadly for them, they had to go via the playoffs. Notts County. Now, everyone everyone uh, is talking about the National League this year. Neutrals are all very interested in, in the National League. Wrexham, we know, won the National League with 111 points. Notts County got 107 points. Luckily, um, like I said, it usually works out. The team that kind of comes you know third or second and doesn't get automatic position it, it is very hard for them to pick themselves up and get through the playoffs Notts County um, they did defeat Boreham Wood in the semi-finals 3-2 after extra time uh, and they got that the winner in the 120th minute in the other game Chesterfield defeated Bromley 3-2 after extra time uh, in the 102nd minute of extra time so like I said, a lot of neutrals, even even the uh, Wrexham owners, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, they were discussing when Wrexham got promoted. They were very good sports to come out and said, look, we all want Notts County to come up with us. Um, both of them are credit to the league. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, that Josh? And, and also, what's, what's your thoughts on, you know, do we want another scenario there where a team's got 107 points and, and, and could well still miss out on promotion? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think, you know, I think there should be three coming up from the National League, and I think three should come down from League Two. I know it's currently two and two, but I think, you know, the fact is that, like, North County have got over 100 points this year, and, like, they're not guaranteed to be promoted, which is absolutely mm. ridiculous. They deserve to be promoted. Um, You know, I think, you know... It should be three up and three down. I've said that for years now. I don't. I think obviously the playoffs, those playoffs in the national league should happen, but I just think you know, like you, when two teams in that league have got over a hundred points, they should both be up. It's as simple as that. They should both be able to to, to be promoted. Um, so I think the system's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and I also think you know those national league teams that come up, especially the ones over the last couple of years, have more. Than punched above their weight and have more than matched those teams in League Two. Scotland United are a prime example of it. Like they, they've had two very very solid seasons now in League Two, um, and when when people didn't think they could cope. So, yeah, um, obviously th- this year as well. Like you know, it's been the best title race in the National League in a, a long time, in my opinion. I've really really enjoyed it, and there and I just think you know two teams who are just heads and shoulders above the rest. Should be should be heading up. Yeah, I mean the reason I, I said that as well because Wrexham, who, like I said, they, they could have missed out themselves. You know, it did come down to one one of the games where they played each other towards the end of the season. They always had a few games in hand as well, which I think if you're playing so many games, it shouldn't come down to which would be fatigue or injuries. Uh, you know, it would have been unfair, but it, it took it took Wrexham fifteen years to get out to get, to get out of the the National League. You know. And it took a lot of investment as well. They they themselves missed out a lot in the playoffs or, you know, had there been automatic promotion, could have been up um, a good few years ago without the investment. But uh, just on the owners as well there, what have they brought to 
the, the National League, um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. You know, at first, maybe people are a bit sceptical about Ryan Reynolds, but Rob McElhenney seems to have uh, a football background. He's, he's, he's very interested in football. He's, um, like I said about Coventry, he's kind of got everyone in the city pulling together um, and, and they do mean business. The downside of that as well is, you know, I, years ago, Notts County actually got a big takeover. Sven Goran Eriksson um, brought in his manager. I think they brought in Saul Campbell. Casper mm-hmm. Schmeichel was there before he made his moves up the league. That, that didn't work out for, for them. Uh, it doesn't always work out. Um, Salford got taken over in 2014. Um, uh, Valencia chairman Peter Limbs uh, owns a percentage of the club. Also, the, the, the Man- Manchester United former players um, own, own part of the club as well. That, that They did have some instant success, but once they got out of the National League, they've now had four consecutive years in League Two. They have made the playoffs this year, but, you know, the money doesn't buy success at that level. Yeah, absolutely. Money doesn't buy success. You know, I think you have to be very much patient in, 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 when you get in the League Two. It's a very, very difficult league to get out of. And I think that's what Wrexham will need to be next year. They'll, they'll need to be patient. I think, you know, Stockport County, they're in the playoffs. Obviously, coming up, they play Sol- they play Salford. You know, Stockport County have got good money behind them. They've got good backing behind them. Great um, support. And yeah, absolutely a great support. Um, so you know, money doesn't always buy success. Of course, it helps, but I think you know, it, it's it's a bit like Sullivan at the minute. Yeah, Sullivan got taken over. I'm coming back to Sullivan, but you know, we got taken over, and you know, we do have money behind us now. But we're we're signing young players. Um, we're building. You know, we're building. We're building for a successful future, which I would urge any club to do and I think that's what Salford City have kind of done this season and they didn't go all crazy in the summer they sort of kept what they had and have, and have built with it um, which I think is a big big positive so you know money doesn't always buy success um, but you know I think Wrexham next year could they surprise well would it be a surprise if they got, got promoted instantly to League One with their money, it probably it probably wouldn't be a surprise, but I would urge their fans to be patient. Otherwise, um, because I think you know, it's going to be a total total different ask to what the national league was in, in the season just gone there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a good point you make about the fans being patient. It's it's also important that the owners remain patient. West things have went well this year. You know they're. They're all partying in Vegas. Everything's going well. You know, owners and players mixing together. Like I said about Salford there, Salford, you know, it's it's, it's something that the, the people will throw at Gary Neville on Twitter when he's saying about Premier League clubs, you know, managers need more time. But he and his fellow owners of Salford have made multiple sackings in, in a short space of time just because, you know, they've, they've maybe stayed in that league that, a little bit longer than what they expected. So patience is the key there for Wrexham next year, in your opinion, Josh? Yeah, no, absolutely. Patience is the key. Um, and, you know, again, if if it does go a little bit up in the air, well, then um, I think they still need to stick with Phil Parkinson. The players have, you know, they understand him now. They understand what he expects. They understand his play style. They can't sack a manager... You know, 
if there is a rocky patch next year, and there will be because it happens to every club in every season, they will go through a little bad spell. Um, even Manchester City, arguably the best team in Europe at the moment, have gone through a rocky patch this season. Yeah, okay, they come out the other side and came out and they came out well, but you know, I just think patience in football, you know, it's key and it's needed. But unfortunately, in modern day football. There's not much patience. Um, but I think of Wrexham next year, I think, you know, if they do go through a bit of a rocky patch or they don't start off well, well, I still think they need to keep with Parkinson just for that consistency and that continuity. Absolutely, Josh. Um, um, we will come back with that on future pods um, uh, at the beginning of next season. But big well done to Wrexham. Uh, and I, I would hope Notts County get up as well for, for how well they did in the regular season. More importantly now, we have a big uh, podcast derby uh, tomorrow night so we're recording on Tuesday tomorrow we have the Irish League Conference League playoffs two two teams familiar with each other this season Corian now play Cliftonville this will be their seventh meeting four league meetings they met in the League Cup they met in the Irish Cup and they will now meet tomorrow night Cliftonville with the advantage as they finished ahead of them in the league in the other game uh, Glentoran now play seventh place Glenavon so seventh place Glenavon have uh, a backdoor to the playoffs because Crusaders defeated Ballymena in the Irish Cup final on Sunday. Last year, the final was played on Saturday at the same stadium in front of 7,598 fans. Because it was on a Sunday this year, it was the exact same two teams, uh, Crusaders and Ballymena. There was 9,688 supporters there, which was great to see. Uh, so some people have their issues with Sunday football, but Certainly, crowd-wise, that, that definitely seems to be a bit of a positive. So before the pod, Josh actually said to me he felt that the, his North Belfast rivals, Crusaders, would win 2-0. I said 2-1. It was 1-0 at halftime, but um, Crusaders just blew them blew them away in the second half. Josh, at the end up 4-0. What, what was your thoughts on the game? Yeah. Um, obviously, the scoreline speaks for itself. <laughs> you know, 4-0. I'll be honest, I never expect I didn't think Balamina would capitulate in terms of how how they did. Um I didn't expect the David Jeffrey side to really fall apart. But look, fair play to Crusaders. Um they they they, they won a trophy and, and they're into Europe. Um and uh, that that's enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um and understandably, um we'll, we'll not we'll not talk much more of that, but something that has been brought to everyone's attention again big shout out to, to Stephen Baxter he is actually the longest serving manager with one club in world football he's been there for over 18 years I'm counting um, he joined in uh, 2005 um, he's won it all there uh, three league titles four Irish Cups three in the last five years like I said they um, were in the final against Balamina last year uh, they also won the Satanta Cup doesn't run any more in that competition but they did win that in 2012 as well which was a great achievement against some of the full-time teams uh, won the Irish League Cup and they won three County Antrim Shades as well so big well done to um, Stephen Baxter and Crusaders but we will pick it up on the next pod how these Europa Conference playoffs have went I spoke last week about how uh, important it is for these clubs, especially as a Korean fan. If they can make, if they can somehow uh, pick up a bit of form, get through these playoffs, it will depend a lot on who who stays and who goes in the summer. And they'll have to probably wait till the season's actually started to find out, you know, what players they will have. A bit like Cliftonville as well. Um, their new, you know, whoever their new manager will be, 
they'll, they'll have a, a hopefully a more sizable budget if, if they were to be the team that joins Linfield, um, Crusaders and Larn in Europe next season. One final thing I'd just like to give a big shout out for, I do follow a lot of European football um, and over the years I've always had a soft spot for Napoli. Um, the Maradona connection, uh, I just love some, some of their players, the South Americans, uh, Cavani, uh, Higuain as well. Um, very unlucky not to win it. And if Josh and I were actually talking at the time because it was around about the time when his... Uh, Josh is a big CR7 fanboy, and uh, <laughs> any time I was sort of hoping that they would do well, Josh was having none of it uh, because Ronaldo was there breaking all, all sorts of records. But Josh, now Ronaldo's not there and Juventus aren't affected, what's your thoughts on, on Napoli winning the league this year? Were you pleased to see that? Yeah, no, I was. Um, I was delighted to see that. I think, you know, it's uh, they've had an incredible season. They just place uh, like the football that they played is beautiful on, on their Spalletti I felt like they're so aggressive um, the press I actually went to see Napoli um, earlier on the season live um, in January with, with my mate Lee uh, we went to San Siro against Inter Milan and Inter Milan actually beat them 1-0 now that was their first defeat in Serie A this season and you're sort of thinking they were so far ahead at that time but Napoli have sort of had a habit over the years of crumbling, you know, mm-hmm. once that sort of, once that, once those defeats kind of happened, but they didn't, they had the mental strength this year to really just hang in. And of course, at the end of the season, obviously, you know, they got knocked out of the Champions League um, by AC Milan, which was a surprise. I, I thought it was, a, it was a surprise. Um, I think people were sort of tipping it to be a, Napoli going to the final against either Manchester City or Real Madrid. Um, and obviously, you know, they got knocked out by AC Milan, but like Napoli have just been outstanding all season. So many, so much quality in attack. You know, you've got, um, obviously, you've got Victor Oshoman, who's been absolutely outstanding. And then uh, this is going to, I don't know, I'm going to put his name. Um, I was going to say well we call him Cavaradonna <laughs> yeah uh, Cavacera I, yeah. I cannot pronounce his name I'm sorry if the, there's any the, the, people, the if there's any if there's any people <laughs> from Georgia listening I do apologise like, but he has just been absolutely outstanding to watch you know his feet are so so quick he is sort of the closest player to Lionel Messi in Europe like mm-hmm. that I've seen in terms of his dribbling uh, obviously Salah as well but, you know, I just think, you know, just the how he dribbles with the ball, it reminds me of Messi. He's mm-hmm. like he's, he's like a little magician, but Napoli have just been, uh, they've just been fantastic. They've been ruthless as well in games. And, you know, there's been games that they've been in a real battle, but have just found a way to win the game. Their mentality's been, been different level. Um, so, yeah, like Napoli totally deserves Serie A champions and, it's really nice to actually to see another team that isn't Juventus, that isn't Inter Milan, that isn't even AC Milan. Um, I know AC Milan have had the struggles over the last few years as well. I know they won the league last season, um, but before that, there they were really, really struggling in in, in the league. Um, so it was no, it was really nice to see somebody outside of those two Milan clubs and Juventus win a title. It just felt so so refreshing. Yeah, especially. Uh... They're, they're, they're not what you know the, the last time they won it was 1990 when Maradona uh, was playing uh, they did have their troubles after that you know the, 
the, the, their back and ran out. They, they faced relegation. They were actually bankrupt. They, they've come back. Um, now, they have had investment, uh, but not to the level of, of the other teams that you've mentioned there. Uh, they, they actually fell off a bit last year. Uh, like you said, you know, they had a defeat at the game you were at this time last, the same time last year that happened, and then they did crumble. Um, however, this the last summer, no, none of the none of the Italian journalists even had them in the top four. They let go of Koulibaly to Chelsea. Dries Mertens, one of the club legends, left as well. Insigne left as well. A few other players there, key players left as well. Like you've said, some of the players have brought in their recruitment has been unbelievable. But not just that the the players have brought in after having to sell some of these players, their wage bill actually come down by 15%. So, so smart recruitment and also just not going for the big names, just a change of transfer policy there as well. It's really um, something that Premier League clubs and a lot of other clubs can learn from. You can go from, um, you, can, you can just come from nowhere and win a league. This is one of the top top leagues in, 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 in Europe and you can come from nowhere if you get, get your get the culture at the club right. Spalletti, you've mentioned there as well, great manager, great tactician, uh, but the smart recruitment as well. Um, and, you know, I'm really excited to, to see if, if they can build on this success. Uh, they might let go of Victor Osman and that there very much always, if the price is right, they'll go, but maybe a bit like Brighton, they might they might bring in someone, they might have someone already lined up to replace him for, for a, a lower cost, someone we've not heard of. Uh, the scouts really should start following uh, Napoli or or Brighton, so scouts just sort of start copying their homework. Uh, but no, really delighted with how uh, things unfolded in Italy as well. Um, that's actually four four different um, champions in four years as well. You know, since Juventus had their series of consecutive titles. So thanks uh, to the listeners for um, listening to us today and what was episode two. Uh, so much to cover next week as well with the the football league playoffs um, as well. Yeah.